What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. And before we jump into today's conversation with Stephen Van, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. Number one, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider leaving a rating and a review. The more positive ratings and reviews you get, the more it helps new people find the show and it really helps to grow the community that we're developing here. And if you're one of those people that have recently found the podcast, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here. Make sure you subscribe and stay tuned for future episodes. And to everybody listening, make sure you screenshot this, post it to your Instagram story, tag at my social life podcast, and I'll feature you on the account and send you a message as well. Now, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Steven Van. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. Today, I'm joined by Stephen Van. And Stephen is a YouTuber with over 110,000 subscribers based out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I'm very excited to have him here on the podcast. Stephen, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. So I want to go all the way back. And can you tell us about when you first started on YouTube? So like why you originally started making videos? So I started in the summer of eighth grade. So initially I had a bunch of YouTube videos. Like as a kid, you would, um, you know, see gaming videos. And so I I started a channel with my friends and they didn't take it seriously, obviously, just because we were kids. And um, yeah, so we didn't have enough content to make videos. We didn't have the gear and stuff like that. So I decided to make a channel where I thought I could be consistent with. And I was looking at other YouTubers who were like smaller and I, I thought I was capable of doing the same things they were doing um, in terms of just like, I thought I had an, like an, a skill for this, um, just building up social media platforms and stuff like that. Because initially, before that, uh, I was building a lot of Instagram accounts uh, around that time. Like I, I used to um, run like sneaker accounts, like fashion accounts um, on Instagram. So I thought I could do similar stuff on YouTube, but I needed to find something that uh, interested me so I could like continue doing it. So that ended up being like tutorials and stuff like that. I, I would see because when I started YouTube videos with my friends, I would search up tutorials on how to edit and stuff like that. So once I learned for myself, I, I started that channel and started teaching other people. So that was sort of my uh, start with that. And then, yeah, obviously I've transitioned my content, but starting out, that's why I started tutorials. Mm-hmm. So I kind of actually want to talk about those Instagram accounts. So that was before you even made the YouTube account. So that was before you were even 13. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. It's like, so back in that day, then like, what were you doing to grow Instagram accounts back then when you were like 12 years old? So uh, initially I used those Instagram accounts to like resell stuff. Like that was the goal. Like goal. So I used to like resell a lot of shoes, like Jordans and stuff like that. I don't do it anymore. Um, but that was sort of like a gateway into getting sales and stuff like that. So I would, uh, I-, I did what a lot of people did back in the day, which is just use hashtags and just like follow like follow popular accounts that it, like their followers and stuff like that. And I would do a lot of engagement, a lot of giveaways and stuff like that. Um, like I sort of just, I had no idea what I was doing. So uh, I can't really explain exactly like tactics and stuff like that. But um, I think it's helped me just like now using Instagram and stuff like that. I, I think I've learned a lot since then. Uh, but I built a big community um, like in the sneaker world. And I haven't really thought about that in a while, but uh, yeah, that that's how I did it. Just like constantly posting and just hashtags and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then, so you said when when you decided to make your YouTube account about tutorials, was that so you learned all the things that you know about everything you gave me tutorials on was through YouTube and other tutorials? Yeah. So what I would do was, so I wasn't particularly skilled, like very skilled in any video editing or anything like that. But whenever I did learn something, 
I would uh so from other YouTube videos, like I strip like I can name you like 20 YouTube channels that probably helped me. And um it's crazy because I've collaborated like with a lot of them now. And um so basically what I would do is I'd learn a skill and I watch other videos. Um because like other videos when I was watching as a kid, I sort of didn't understand it. So I I kind of broke it down in an easier way to, uh, easier way for like other people to understand. Since I was a kid, I sort of like didn't really get everything. So I so a lot of my earlier videos are just very very basic just for that reason. Um so I would watch YouTube videos, um tutorial videos and then I would try to make it easier to understand um through the process of me like learning from it. You know what I mean? So uh, mm-hmm. that's that's sort of what I did. Yeah. And then so what like what was the exact year you were you were using when you first started your account? Because you said you were kind of doing those gaming videos and stuff with your friends. You didn't really have much gear. So when you started on your own, like what were you using at that time? So I had this uh laptop. It was really, really bad because um so it was like a shared we I shared it with my family, but no one was really using it because it was so old. And like I remember editing on it and it would take so long because like the keyboard, like a lot of keys didn't work and the USB ports didn't work. So like I would record audio on my phone um, because I couldn't connect a microphone in it or anything. So I would do that. And um, it would take like eight hours, like like around eight hours to like render one like three minute video. And I remember that. Um, and I used to upload daily, which is crazy. Like when, when you have an eight hour video, like it takes eight hours to just render the video. Um, and then you know, there's obviously more like recording it and stuff like that. I, I don't exactly know how I was able to um, upload daily, but I was using like a really, really bad um, laptop and I was using my phone as a mic. Um, at some point, I was using my phone as a keyboard, <laughs> like through a Bluetooth <laughs> app. Uh, I remember that. Um, but yeah, I, like I don't know the laptop name, but it was really bad. Um, and then up until that point, I didn't have any money. When I did start like getting views and stuff like that, which was probably like six months in, uh, I could finally afford like a PC. So I was using like a $500 PC uh, for like the next two, three years after that. So with like all the, that in mind, like everything that you did when you were first making videos, what do you say to people who think they need to have like the newest camera or the best laptop in order to start creating and use like the fact that they don't have good enough gear, quote unquote, to make YouTube videos or to start a podcast or whatever it might be? I think they need, they need to realize that a lot of the the creators that they're watching probably don't even have that expensive gear. Like I know a lot of people who have a million subscribers who literally record and edit on their phone. Like it's it's very like I think it's more important like the type of like what you're saying in the content or like what you're providing, like what value you're providing. So for me, for example, it doesn't matter how like it definitely matters how good the audio is, but like if the audio is okay, it's it matters more about what I'm saying in the tutorial and if it's helpful, right? And like, um, it's same thing, like if you're doing like comedy skits, like the camera doesn't, like the video of the, qual- like the quality of the video doesn't have to be super sharp in like 4K. It just has to be funny. So I think it's it really, uh, it's important just that the value is there before like you worry about the quality really, because people will subscribe to you because you're providing something for them. Like people don't just subscribe for no reason. Like if you, if you search up one of my tutorials, like you find it on the YouTube search and then you're like, oh, this guy's. Uh, videos are helpful you're going to subscribe you're not just going to subscribe because you know if the video didn't help you you wouldn't subscribe so um i think just providing value it should be the number one thing and just realizing that like gear isn't everything you know like i, I still like my last like t- i think my uh second most recent video i recorded it like 90 percent of the video on my phone and it was literally just like a little short film of my summer and 
I, I was hesitant to post it um, just because the quality was so bad, but I, I posted it and it's performing really well. So um, that's, uh, that's just what I have to say. I, I think uh, people are too worried about if their content's good enough, but they don't even put it out. So my sort of thing is like, it's better to put out something than nothing. Um, and that's sort of like even my mindset right now. Like I was scared to post stuff that wasn't that good, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. At the end of the day, it comes down to the messaging and the content versus what you're using to to create it. Uh, but you said it was about six months then before you start to get a lot of views. So before that, like what was your goal when you started your account? Was it to get views? Because you're only 13, right? So I'm assuming it was like, was it views and money was your goal when you started the account? I think I was more excited like building a platform, I wasn't really worried about the 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 money aspect of things because uh, I don't know. Like I never really earned money like that when I was younger. Uh, besides the reselling thing, but I wasn't used to making money online, like like through um like YouTube or like like I wasn't an Instagram influencer. I'm not even sure that existed back then. But um, my my aim was like I saw other people doing it, like just building up platforms, and I wanted some sort of influence because. Like, I, I think there's some beauty in, like, creating something and, like, putting it into life. So, like, even now, like, I want to… Uh, my goal right now is to build, like, a complex, like, a media outlet, right? And so, similar similar to before, I want to just see something grow. And I, I wanted to see if I was capable of doing it. And I thought I was capable. Because there was a lot of things that went into it, like, branding and, like, like editing and stuff like that. I wanted to see if I could build this YouTube channel. Um, I wasn't really worried about um just the money. Like, the money probably didn't even… It wasn't even a problem until like I literally couldn't um, edit videos because my laptop was so bad. Um, but before then, it was just like I want to build something great around something that I like, you know. Mm-hmm. And do you remember the first video you made that really popped off and got a ton of views? Um, it was probably like a like a banner tutorial, like a YouTube banner tutorial. Um, it was like how to design one, and it, the video was not even that good. But there were some things that I did that I think I learned from. And like why it performed so well. So like for example, like there was call to actions. Like I would say, oh, comment, whatever. Like let's hit two hundred uh, like comments or something like that. And I also gave um a like I gave a template, like a Photoshop template. When it hit, hit a certain amount of likes, I think when it hit like fifty likes, I, I gave away like a template so people can edit themselves in case uh, in, in a situation where they don't want to follow the tutorial and. That produced a lot of engagement and, you know, the thumbnail and stuff and all that. Like, I think through the process, like the beginning, um, the reason I got views was because of like uh, my good like titles and keywords and stuff like that, like SEO. Um, that really helped me pop off, especially because I'm a tutorial channel. Um, people are o- always searching up stuff on YouTube search. So um, that's what really helped me pop off. Mm-hmm. And then, so after that first video popped off, like, was there, did you feel like a sort sense of like pressure to have to have follow up and get as many views with the next couple of videos after that? Or was it more so you realized it was tutorials and they kind of come in waves. So you weren't as worried about how many views the next video got. I was more worried about like, can I keep this consistent? Because um, I wasn't even aware of like, even now I'm not aware if a video blows up because I don't just go back and look at what's blowing up. Like I rarely look at um my older videos. I, I literally just post and I, I'm not even on YouTube a lot. Like I don't even watch a lot of YouTube videos. So for me, it was like, can I post a lot? And that was the main goal. So um it wasn't that I had pressure because I didn't even know that it was blowing up. Like obviously you see the subscriber count go up and up, but um my my aim was consistency and it still is. Um like I, I haven't uploaded very consistently for even the past six months, but um that's gonna be a goal of mine now. But 
really it's like because even tutorials there's not like anything viral or trendy you can make it's um it's what they call evergreen content where, where it stays like sort of relevant forever so like people will always learn how uh, like want to learn how to make a youtube thumbnail as long as youtube is around so uh stuff like that like i wasn't worried about popping off like having a viral video or anything like that because i knew um my videos would grow over time mm-hmm. and what about i think in the beginning you were anonymous right like you weren't showing your face in your first couple of videos yeah so i wasn't showing my face and i was even like tempted not to even talk because like the audio was so bad and like um and like i don't know like i couldn't talk properly like it was hard for me to explain stuff i would stutter and so if you go to the comments of my la- like my first like 50 60 videos people are, are like why are you cutting the video like every like one second like why is there so many cuts and like why is why why are you going so fast and it was because i was stuttering like every second so there was like a me saying uh like every two seconds so i had to cut that and then the video just went up like went really fast from there um so i don't know like i didn't uh i wanted to sh- i didn't want to show my face until i could properly speak and then i also didn't have the video gear like i like i had a like i didn't know how i was going to record uh my face if i couldn't even record my audio like i, I would have had to use my face cam um on my laptop which was like terrible like you couldn't even see me so until i could um get like something that you can actually see me with i i, I didn't um, end up showing my face and until i was really comfortable um uh, but at least i think the big thing with that was like at least i start i still made content and found a way to do it even without showing my face um i think that's a big thing even if i didn't show my um like even if I didn't talk in it, I could have put like subtitles or something like that. I know a lot of channels do that because um, they want to target like American uh, users, but they speak um, a different language or like English is their second language. So they can't speak properly or like fluently. So um, that's what they do a lot. So uh, I don't think there's ever an excuse. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. And when you finally did show your face, what was the reaction? Because you're probably still 13, 14 at yeah, times. Yeah. So we're expecting you to be that young and that knowledgeable and teaching them all these things about like Photoshop and YouTube and stuff like that? I think you can probably tell by my voice back then, like uh, how young I was. And I, a lot of the people, so I had a really like close knit community in the way that like I had a lot of like Twitter group chats with people. I engaged, I engaged a lot with the community. So I think they had an idea of who I was and how I, not even how, but like they probably didn't see how I looked like, but I had like an Instagram and stuff like that. And, I used it actively. So maybe a lot of people already saw my face on there, but um, it wasn't too much of a, like a big thing for me um, because I was already pretty close with the community. And even a lot of the, the viewers of mine, like probably like 80% of my views are from people who are not subscribed to me. So it wasn't really anything shocking because they didn't really notice like my older videos where I didn't have my face uh, because it's, 80% because a lot of my views come from the YouTube search, like I said before. So it wasn't that uh, big of a deal for me. Mm-hmm. And that's actually perfect that you said that about your views. More like 80%, I think you said, aren't subscribed to you. Because that's something that I talked about with Justin Odisho is with a lot of tutorials, people don't necessarily subscribe because they just come here for the knowledge and they bounce right away. So you recently surpassed 100,000 subscribers. So what were some things you did in order to get people to subscribe to your channel and stick, stick around for when you're uploading tutorials consistently? I think with tutorials, there's like, I can look at like 10 different tutorial channels and explain how they're different in a way. Like Justin, he, he, there's like a sort of charisma with him and like, 
he does a lot of like trendy stuff like with music like recent music videos and stuff like that with me i i sort of found my niche in a way that it was like starting off it was like the gaming community so i would make uh, tutorials on like people or tutorials for people who were in the gaming community making youtube videos so that's like how to edit gaming videos and montages how do you make youtube gaming banners youtube gaming thumbnails so i found my niche and then later i transitioned into like um the photo video guy before i was the graphic design guy like i don't even make that many graphic design tutorials anymore but um now i'm like the sort of guy you go to for like um photo editing and like video editing and like um more like behind the scenes stuff because now I, I sort of like do a lot more sit down talking to the camera type stuff where I talk about my experience. So like um, one video that did well is like how to get media passes to concerts uh, because people were following me on Instagram um, for my concert content. And so I started making stuff like that. So I think you need to be known for something. Um, I know like a tut vid, which is a tutorial video, a tut for short. Um, he does a lot of like illustrator, like logo stuff. Right. And then, yeah, there's a bunch of different tutorial channels, but uh, I think um, people uh, stay for different reasons and you just got to find what your niche is. Even like tutorials is pretty niche, like even graphic design tutorials is pretty, pretty niche, right? Um, Photoshop tutorials, but uh, even more within that. Yeah. So how did it feel then once you finally hit that milestone of 100,000? Because I think you've been working at it for like, what, four or so years before you hit that milestone? Yeah, it was like three and a half years and I was uh so number so for some reason I'm never really excited when anything good happens to me. Like I'm not sure why, because I sort of expect it to happen. Like I sort of expected starting off my channel that at some point I'd hit hundred K, so it didn't really come to me like that. Um and like my channel was more active before I hit hundred K than when I hit hundred K. So um it's like nothing really big, but now like I'm I'm sitting like right next to my play button right now. And it's sort of like cool to think about like being a kid and like wanting wanting to be a YouTuber because it sort of seems like uh, out of reach in a lot of ways. But like a lot of my friends like sort of like think it's cool. I guess it, I think it's cool too now. <laughs> but um, it's sort of like, yeah, I sort of expected not to like brag or anything, but like it's it's something that I knew was going to happen just because I know how much work I put into the channel. Mm-hmm. And with like you said, how a lot of your friends think it's cool. Did being a YouTuber and getting thousands of views and thousands of subscribers, did that like come into play during high school at all? Like, do you think people looked at you differently because you were the successful YouTuber? Or do you think they didn't really, they didn't really affect anything? I, I think so because um, I would be treated differently in the way that like when I did go to different schools, not even just my school. Like the thing with my school was a lot of people already knew me like from middle school and elementary school because they're all in the same area. So like they knew who I was. But like whenever I wouldn't meet a new person. So like I was on a bunch of basketball teams um, during high school and like I would go to a different school and then people would approach me and they would call me like, oh, you're the guy who makes YouTube videos and stuff like that. Right. So I would be approached a lot. Like even now I'm approached for different reasons. Like I'm approached for my concert stuff now, like my photography. It wasn't like that. So it's a cool switch. Um, But I would be approached and I would be treated different in a way that people thought I was like special or something. And I'm about to put out a video. I put out like a little like video on Twitter and it, and people, a lot of people retweeted it. But it was like, I was talking about like how we put like famous people or like special people or like not special people, like people with like clout on a pedestal and they seem a lot like different than us, but they're really just the same. So I sort of feel like um, 
I was just a normal like I, I'm I'm just a normal kid and I don't know I think a lot of people didn't really get experience what I did during high school so it maybe comes differently to them and I always get I hate being called like a, a YouTuber or like a photographer because I feel like I'm so much more than just a title because I feel like I'm so much more capable like I could do a lot more things than just that and I do more more things than just that uh, but high school definitely would have been a lot different if um, I wasn't like if I didn't have a social presence even in university now it's like it's a little bit different um but yeah and you talked about how you recently kind of like you, you're doing less tutorials would you say you're focusing more so on like lifestyle lifestyle content your photography type content yeah so um i do a lot of concerts i do a lot of stuff that a lot of people want to do you know like going to concerts like i've done three concerts like this past week like people pay to go to these concerts so i want to be able to give some insight on in how i get to these concerts um like like you know and how, how and how to shoot it how to edit and all the stuff that comes along with it because a lot of people don't really get to see that and i think that's a really big catch when you look at my channel like on my videos i think a lot of people are interested in that stuff so like i have a lot of kids dming me saying like oh your how to get media passes video really helped me out and i'm getting into my first show which makes me really happy because like i was sort of unaware starting out like i always wanted to shoot tutorials I mean, shoot, um, shoot concerts, um, like a couple years ago, and now I got to do it like every week. Um, so I think that's really cool that I get to provide this or help people with that. Yeah. So when did you get into photography? Like, when did that start becoming a big part of your life? Um, I think at some point I realized that like YouTube, it like the the income's very like up and down. So I I needed to find a way to like, um just make it steady so i started making like i started taking photos and uh, making videos for other people um because i thought that would be more steady of an income i think it's actually a lot more work but i sort of enjoy it more um but my first photo shoot was probably um two years ago two or three years ago it was for a prom i got paid like twenty dollars and i i listed my um i put i put a listing up on kijiji so, like, for people who don't know, that's, like, Craigslist for Canada. So, so I posted on Kijiji, and, like, this um, couple, they uh, hit me up. Um, and then, like, just comparing that to now. So, I did one prom shoot in, like, 2016 or 2017 or something. This past, like, prom season, um, well, that's what I call it. Uh, so, like, this past June when all the kids from high school go to prom. I've done, like, in that month, I did probably, like, 12, 13 shoots. Um, so wow. that's a big that's a big difference, right? Um, and that's <laughs> yeah. not that's not me really promoting it. That's me. That's people knowing who I am and hitting me up for that. So that's a and there's like thirty days in in June. <laughs> like there's a lot of these shoots were like um, on the same day, like three proms on the same day type of stuff. So even on my prom day, I, like in the morning, I I I did um, a shoot for a different school. Like at my at my own school's like pre prom, I I was taking pictures. So. Um, it's a big, uh, it's a big change. And it was funny how I started, like, I didn't, I started, um, I, I would say 2015, like just casually, just like going out with my friends, taking pictures, or maybe I was always doing that. I sort of feel like, um, even when I first got Instagram, I'm not sure when that was, but I would always love editing photos, but I never really took them. Um, but, um, yeah, like probably 2015, 2016 is when I started. And then I started making that into an actual like job. So I freelance a lot now. Yeah. That's awesome. It's like one thing with photography too is 
your style? Like, I really like your style. Like just looking through your Instagram, you have a unique style. So how did you kind of discover that? Cause I feel like for people that are just starting in photography, it's trying to find their own unique style. Like how did you come up and find yours? So it's actually funny because I just thought about this recently. So the way I edit photos, it might sound like a little like nerdish, like explaining this, but like um, the fo- my photos are like the, the dark parts of the photo are very dark and the light parts are very light. So the shadows are very dark and then the, 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 the white parts are very bright. Um, and it creates this contrast. And I, I didn't realize I did that because um, when my gear isn't that good and it still isn't that good. I do that because it hides a lot of the detail because my, fo- my photos would be very grainy if I like edited it properly. So like because my gear wasn't that good, I, I try to hide all the detail that would have made it look sort of bad. Um, so that, that's actually how I realized because I, I did a lot of concerts. And it would be like bad lighting situations. So I realized that a lot of my stuff is like edited that way because my gear. Um, so I kind of adjusted to how my gear was. Um, also, I think I'm like, I learned so much on YouTube and stuff like that, that uh, I sort of like, I have a lot of influences and I sort of took a lot out of each of them. Um, and this is whether I'm watching a tutorial or like using a preset pack by someone else. I think the first, I think a person that's really influenced me um, in the photo stuff is like Sam, no, not, not Sam Calder, um, Rob Strock. He makes like travel videos and he released a preset pack. I think it was the first one I bought and I sort of adjusted the presets because I didn't really, I liked the presets, but I adjusted it to a way that I liked a little bit more or like things I didn't like about it. And now I sort of based off my presets like off of his, like, like I don't know if that makes sense, but like <laughs> I sort of took a little bit from each of my uh, influences, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's how, like, I think that's how people find their style, right? Is they just try and emulate what the people they admire do. And eventually through doing that, they learn more along the way and they kind of craft and mold their own look and feel through that. And I wanted to ask too, when it comes to like your style, then you said you're using the style based on the gear you have. When you have new gear, then do you think your style is going to change or are you still going to try and match to what you're doing with your current gear? I'll have to see, um, but I think it'll look probably the same just because I like how my photos look. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Like I've even been thinking, like, should I even get new gear? Because like I'm at these concerts and there's people with like my my entire like the gear that I bring to concerts is like probably like a thousand dollars total, right? And then I see these people with a thousand dollar lenses or three thousand dollar lenses, right? So. Um, at this point, I'm doing fine and I, I don't think I need gear until it's like a big, big opportunity. Like I go on tour or something like that. But I think I'll stick with what I have and like what I'm currently editing because it's worked out for me. And I also like the style now. And I think I found my uh, distinctive style because I know a lot of people, they can sort of just tell um, if a photo is mine, which is cool. Like just, just not even reading the username, they can just tell. Um, and that's cool. And I'm always experimenting. So it's not like I'm just going to stay to one thing. I think um, one thing that really affected my editing was um, working like with um, the city of Brampton. So it's a, a suburb in Toronto. So obviously I can't edit like super experimental. Uh, right. So like I, it sort of made me like reduce like the over editing because I do know I over edit sometimes. And so um just be that ba- the balance between like keeping it very like minimal and experimenting with it. I, I think I found that balance too. Um, and I think it- it's just going to change with time and like 
the more experiences I have because if I go on tour, it might be a little bit different. Um, I don't know. Like, it, it, it's all, it's all like, I'm not even thinking about that because I, I sort of like how my stuff looks like. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And for context, what gear are you currently using? So I'm using a Sony A6300. You can go on my website and just look at every single piece of gear I have. Um, Sony A6300. And for concerts, I use a 50 millimeter uh, F1.8. And that's it. Um, so the 50 millimeter is like the entry level like lens, like the first lens you usually get because it's like $200, like $100. It's like the cheapest lens you can get. And that's the one I use. Um, so yeah, like I, I see people like shooting con, like my friend, he also shoots concerts and I don't think he's, he realizes that he needs to like master what he like, like optimize his gear right now before getting new gear because he's always getting new gear. And, um, I don't know. Like, I, I think you should make the most out of your gear before you upgrade or anything like that. Because I feel like even with my gear and how long I've used it, I don't even know everything about it. Like, I haven't even used it, like, proper, Like, not properly, but used it to its potential. Uh, you know? Because I haven't, I haven't touched 4K. I've never touched 4K video. Like, and, you know, there, there's that capability and people talk about 4K video all the time and I've never touched it. Um, so I feel like, there's always something to learn about your gear and until you master it, you shouldn't really switch. Um, but yeah, that's just my thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. So do you remember what your first concert was that you shot? Um, so the first show I did was a festival actually. And so I, w- I actually came there or like I saw a Facebook ad for, um, or no. So this local act in um, my city, he's like a very, very local. Um, he posted on his Facebook that he'd be attending this festival. And I really wanted, I, I really like his music. I still listen to it. Um, and so he, he posted like the flyer. And then I saw Post Malone, Tyler, the creator on it. So I, I wanted to um, get into it. So there was like a media request form. And it said like media publication, like which, which one are you working for and stuff like that. And so basically what happened was I put like not available for like half the, the form. And I somehow got three media passes. Um, my two friends, I got it for, didn't go. And I, at that time, I didn't have um, like a phone plan. So I didn't have data or I couldn't call anyone. If I, like, so I, I had to go downtown Toronto with like no cellular, cellular service. I was probably like 15 at the time. Um, and I hadn't gone downtown that much by myself. Like I probably gone like once or twice. And like at that time, I was scared of the subway for some reason. Like I didn't want to go on the subway. Um, but I went, it was raining. I almost didn't want to go because my friends weren't going. I got there, this first concert I shot. And I, I didn't even end up shooting the local act that I came there for. I, I, I decided to just shoot Post Malone. Um, and at that time, Post Malone wasn't very, very big. Um, I think his first album just came out and uh, he wasn't that big. I shot that. Tyler the Creator didn't end up coming. So he got replaced. Um, but I shot that. And what... It's so funny because that was my first show. And after that, basically, I made a bunch of edits to the photos. And at, you know, even at, I remember this. At the time, I was using my brother's laptop and the screen was messed up. Like the display, like the colors were messed up. So when I edited the photos and then saw them on my phone, they were so over-edited. Like very, very over-edited. So um, um, basically what happened was I posted them. Um, I, was, I, I, used, I posted the photos on Twitter. For the reason to get into like this gaming um, team that needed photographers. And they had a recruitment challenge. So they wanted people to post like their work. So I posted it and then um, Post Malone saw it and then he follows me. 
Like he just follows me now. So it's weird how that happened. But um, I remember that um, day pretty well. I remember my phone ran out, ran out of battery. And I, and I didn't have a... I couldn't call it Uber because you need a phone number for that. So I, uh, I remember going to the bank and um, charging my phone because I did have like a charger. And then I, I ended up um, waiting for... A, like I, I ended up waiting for a taxi. And uh, I paid a lot for that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember that day very well. And that was the first show I ever done. That's wild. So did you message post it all after the fact? Like when he followed you? Yeah, I messaged him, but I don't think he's ever going to respond. Uh, he's coming to Toronto this week. Actually, no, I think he already came to... I'm not even sure. I, th- I thought he, he might have come to Toronto already. But I think on the 16th or something, he's coming to Toronto or the 12th. Um, so... I'm trying to hit him up, but like, I don't know if I ever get in, like, he's ever going to reply because, you know, obviously he's a huge artist now, probably one of the biggest in the world. Uh, but it's, it's cool that the fact that he actually follows me and how that turned out. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you kind of walk me through your concert workflow? Because from my understanding, for more often than not, you're only given access for the first three songs to take photos yeah. and that, right? It's like, what's your workflow look like from the time you arrive to the venue to when you're heading out after three songs? So concert stuff is very hectic because Usually, you only know if you're shooting the show. Like, you have to be approved to shoot the show um, by the promoter. Um, you only know, like, 24 hours before. Even less sometimes. Like, that you're actually shooting the show. Like, yesterday, or two days ago, I shot uh, Young Thug and Machine Gun Kelly. And I didn't know until six hours before. So, um, like, I was in class at the time. So, I, like, you know, and then, so, basically, I, I arrived there. Usually, it depends on the venue. Uh, I have to Uber there, like sometimes, which is bad um, because I don't know when I'm shooting, and sometimes I have to arrive early because I don't want to miss out the miss out on the openers. Um, and Toronto, like I live in the suburbs of Toronto, so it's it's a little tougher to get there. But um, I get there, get my media pass. Sometimes there's an issue with the media pass, like I'm not on a list, and I have to contact someone and all this messy stuff. I get in. You usually I'm there early. And I have to wait like 30 minutes for the opener to get on. And then the headliner is always late. Um, like always, always late. Like I, I shot um, a boogie at this university um, probably like three weeks ago. And he came late and he performed for like 10 minutes. And then he said, I'm going to do a makeup show tomorrow. So uh, like that, that, sometimes that happens. Sometimes like you wait two hours and there's just a bunch of openers that you don't even know were supposed to perform. Um, yeah, I get there. I take out my gear. I have two cameras. One is a one camera. I use a a wide lens, and then the other one I use the fifty millimeter, so it's like a little closer. Um, and basically, I hold the one that gets so the the one that is a little bit closer or like bigger focal range. I I hold that one, and the other one's on my neck. And basically, I just spam the photos. I sort of like look at which side's the best or is least crowded because there's always like a lot of people. Um, in the media pit. Um, and then, yeah, it's like, it's sort of like, I have three songs. I have to um, do it very fast and like get the most, like my aim when shooting is like get as many different shots because sometimes people stay in like one spot. I don't think that's good. So I usually get one from like the left side, the right side, then the middle, and then like a wide shot from the middle as well. And if they like lean forward or like, or like um, high five, like a fan, I want to get that. So there's always like different shots I'm looking for. It's not like I sort of just 
go with the flow. It's like I, I have a certain like photo sh- shot list in my head. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where do these photos go? Is this just like shooting for yourself personally or do you send them to the promoter and stuff like that? So to get into shows, usually what happens is um, they give media access to publications. So like a blog or a radio station or like whatever. And then usually they post it on their social media and on their website. So usually I get through, I, I get it through um, a publication and then I send it to them. So like I've worked for a radio station. I've worked for like three blogs. Uh, yesterday I did it for a magazine. Or like two days ago, two days ago, I did it for a magazine, so it's different, and I just send it to them. Sometimes I want to do it just for myself. Like, um, I went to Western University in London, Ontario, um, three days ago, four days ago, and I did that. Like, I I actually paid for a media pass, um, because I wanted to shoot it, um, and so I I paid a boogie's team to get a media pass, and I I got on and. Um, a boogie reposted my stuff so that's cool um but yeah um usually i don't make money on this stuff like i've probably been paid like once or twice ever um so i think the the end goal is just uh get paid to do concerts uh but it's my favorite thing to do um favorite thing to shoot so um i'm always looking forward to shows especially the the artists that i enjoy listening Mm -hmm. to yeah, that's awesome. And you also do some sport photography as well, right? Yeah, so I've done stuff for the Raptors a couple of times. And like, it's it's really hard to get into sports stuff because like, it's easier to reach a small music blog than ESPN or like TSN or like stuff stuff like that. right? So, um, Or knowing an NBA player. Like, I think it's actually pretty easy to get to know like a music artist because or like get access to one because there's the DJ, there's the openers, there's the promoters, there's the host. Um, there's a lot of people you can contact for that. Um, with sports, it's like you know a player, or you're working for ESPN or Yahoo or something. Mm-hmm. So, so then, how were you able to kind of get in there then? So um, I used to work for a sports um, management team, uh, Rosie Management. I still sort of like do stuff for them, but um, they manage a bunch of NBA players. A lot of them are like um, local, so like Canadian. Uh, and basically, whenever there is something where the like a company needs um or like the company needs access to a raptors event so for example the last raptors event i got into um i got a media pass because there was like a dog like food brand that um needed content with the player um at the raptors game like they needed to film a little recap video of like just the day in life sort of thing and they needed uh access to the raptors game and stuff like that. So I got a. So I was the one shooting it. So it wasn't like I was just there for the Raptors game. I had to shoot other stuff uh, before and during the game. Um, but um, yeah, um, I know a lot of people who just strictly just work for the Raptors or like strictly work for a publication. But a lot of times I get into Raptors games, it's through like uh, a player and need something filmed. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. And I also noticed on your Instagram, you've done some photo shoots for some pretty big creators. I think I have written down here, uh, Kayla Nicholson, Rose Burt, Betram, and Sophia Diamond. So like, how did you arrange those photo shoots? Is that through being a creator on YouTube as well and kind of networking that way? Uh, I can explain each individual one. Sophia Diamond, I uh, I probably just DM'd her. Um, I know a mutual friend. I saw he was doing shoots for her. Um, this was when she had 20K followers. Now she has like a million or something. Oh, that's um, crazy. So... And then she blew up right after I did the photo shoot. But um, I did that. I remember, we, like, I think me and her are the same age. So it's sort of like, 
there's like this. Uh, I don't know. We we could like talk about stuff, so it was a little easier to get to that. And she still replies to her stuff, so it's cool. Um, Kaylin Nicholson. Um, someone tagged her in my Twitter thread or something. So like basically, I posted a tweet where it's like. I'm a 16-year-old photographer retweet to help me reach the right person or something. And I, I linked all my photos and stuff like that. And uh, I, basically, I was just I was trying to get a viral tweet and get people to see it. And so someone tagged Kaylin um, and then she DM'd me and then she and then we did a shoot. Um, so that's that that's how that happened. And then Rose Bertram, it's through the that sports management team I was talking about. So her husband um, used to play for Toronto FC, which is like a football team or like a soccer team. and so. Uh, we we used to work do stuff with him, and then we sort of just like we're in a conversation with her while she was there, and then um, she sort of she brought me to like two days later she brought me to the MMVAs, which is the um, Much Music Video Awards, which is like the MTV Awards for like Canada, and then she like maybe a week later I went to Shanghai with her, so that was a crazy experience. Um, but now she lives in LA, so it's like it's harder to keep in touch with her. Because she used to live in Toronto, um, but that's how that stuff happened. And then there's like other people like from Phase. Um, I got that through like Phase Nikon. Um, I met him at a Raptors event, and it was like a event for like influencers and stuff like that. And I took pictures there. Um, he saw me on Twitter. He followed me, and then turns out he's from Oakville or something like that. Um, so also a suburb. And then uh. And then I did a bunch of shoots with him. Um, so whenever he's in Toronto, he just hits me up and he he links me with like other creators um, in phase and other people he knows. So it's really cool how that works. So a lot a lot of it now is just like referrals, you know, like if someone's in the city, like because Toronto is becoming a more popular destination. If people are in Toronto, um, they want a photographer for like a day, they just hit me. So it's mm-hmm. a little different now. Yeah, and I actually wanted to ask you about living in Toronto because it's kind of like you said, it's becoming this like hub. It's become this cultural city, and like it's like popular in culture. So, like, how is it living there with so many other creators around you and so many big events happening? How has that kind of shaped and molded your career thus far? I think it's really good. Like, there's a lot of lot of opportunity. Um, like, I have group chats with like I have like ten group chats with like twenty four photographers at each of them, right? So that's like that's a lot of people. Um, and so, like, it's it's cool that there's now a community for that. And, like, we, a lot of these photographers, like, if they wanted someone to go on a rooftop with, they just hit me up in the chat. Or, like, if they want to, if they're going to be at this event, they're going to hit me up. Like, it's cool that there's uh, there's people who do the same stuff as you. And there's a lot of opportunity out there. Um, like, literally, if I go to any given concert, I'll meet, like, at least two people I know. Um, not even just, like, shooting the concert. Like, they're photographers. But literally... They're on the stage, they're in backstage, or they're in the crowd. Like that Young Thug concert, I probably met like six people I know. And it's just random. And so it's cool that there's like this sort of cult, new culture there. Um, it's big in like sports and music now. Um, so that's cool because those are my two interests. Um, so it's cool that there's just people everywhere. And like there's a lot of friends to be made and connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's awesome. But I kind of double back to YouTube. We kind of dove down the photography rabbit hole for a little bit. But um, so when it came to your YouTube content, so once you started getting more into photography, would you say that your content type slowly started to shift a little bit to match more so what you're doing outside of YouTube? So less tutorials and more so focus on kind of lifestyle and photography and stuff like that? 
Yeah, for sure. Because um, at some point, I realized that I'm not going to be able to sustain something unless I enjoy doing it. So if I was making graphic design tutorials when I, I literally don't do graphic design anymore, it would be kind of hard to make videos like that. So um, it only became easier to make videos and more enjoyable when I started making stuff or making videos on stuff that I was currently doing or learning. So um, it definitely transitioned and I started doing like a lot of like photo editing tutorials because that just came easy to me. And um, I think it's like a lot of creators, they do stuff because they know it'll get views, but it's not necessarily enjoyable for them. And I, I think that's bad. Um, they do stuff that just performs well. And uh, I think that closes the door on a lot of other opportunity, like a different, a totally different audience. Um, because they're just making one certain type of content. And I don't think there's any growth in that. Um, so that's just my, my stance on that. Um, so yeah, it definitely transitioned a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you think, cause you said that people are making content just because they know it'll get views. So since you've made that shift, have you noticed your views have stayed consistent? Have they gone up or down? Like what have you noticed your, how's your audience responded to the shift in content type? I think it's pretty consistent, but it went down just for the reason that I don't even post that much anymore. Just because, um, at some point I was just doing a lot of like shoots in real life and like it. It just takes up a lot of my time. So it's not even that it's the videos aren't performing well. It's that I'm not making that many more videos. But even now, um, it's pretty consistent. And I've seen what I've noticed actually is there's a lot of more like engagement, like real interaction with the videos I'm making now, even if they don't get as many views. Like that um video on how to how to get media passes. Um, that video probably has like 10k views, which is not a substantial amount, but I've gotten more messages from that video than any video I've ever had. And I have like three videos with a million views, right? So there's more people responding to that video positively and interacting with it. So I think that's a lot better than having like sort of empty views and empty comments. Like um, I could see my videos making an impact. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's kind of like that Kevin Kelly's 1000 True Fans concept where it's like, have you heard of that? Yeah, Yeah, I've heard about it. Yeah, so it's just very similar like in that respect where it's better to have like an engaged audience that may not be as many views as opposed to getting tons of views that aren't as engaged. But I wanted to ask you, I think I saw this one of your YouTube videos, if you kind of elaborate on the three C's for channel growth. Oh, so that's that's pretty long ago. That was a consistency. Uh, I don't, collaboration and I don't even, consistency, collaboration. I feel like it's communication, but I don't even know. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's communication. yeah. yeah. Collaborate. So collaboration, I think it's very important. I think the big reason I grew was like I I, stro- I strove to like um, collaborate instead of compete with a lot of people because um, I think people think sometimes there's like limited resources and stuff like that, which there isn't. It's like the internet's always growing. Um, I, I decided to make like friends with a lot of people I made similar videos to and it performed well because it opens up to new audiences and like it's easier to make videos if you collaborate in the way that you don't have to do as much work. So for an example, in like a different industry, like um, like music, if you, if you make a song and someone remixes it, like you get someone to hop on a remix, you don't have to do anything because the song's already there. They just have to contribute to it. And even the people contributing to it, like remixing it, they don't have to do that much thinking because there's, the song's already there. They just have to add to it. So that, in that aspect, I think like when, when I was doing even videos with Justin, um, what he did, so he reached out to me like a long time ago and he, he sent me a video that was basically done and he just said, add your part to it and then we'll just upload it. So I did a collaboration with Justin uh, Odisho off that. So I think um, collaboration in that aspect is important, opens you up 
it's new stuff, new audiences. Um, but it has to obviously fit. Um, so like if you're a photographer, you can somehow collaborate with the graphic designer. Um, like use your photo in like an album artwork or something, for example, right? You don't have to do anything. The photo's already there. Um, um, collaboration, communication. In a way, I talk about communication in a way like being um, connected with your fans and like actual communicating, like treating it as like a, a community, essentially. Um, like reading comments and like gaining feedback and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of YouTubers, even myself included, like we, we go upload and we don't even really read it. Like we skim over it because I think a lot of YouTubers are afraid to read it just for like backlash or like they don't want to really just, they just don't want to read it. I think it's important to see what your audience likes and respond to them because like if you see your favorite YouTuber respond to you, you you're some you're somewhat more like inclined to like check their next video because you're just excited. I, I, I don't know what it is, but um, there's something about like seeing someone respond because it's so rare. Um, communication, collaboration. What was it? That was consistency. Consistency. And the last one's consistency. Um, I think this is probably the most important. Um, just like put out stuff because people will, like if you put out stuff every day, it's just going to be in front, of, in front of everyone's face every day. They're going to end up clicking on it, you know? Um, and like you get better over time. Like I wasn't able to speak properly in my first video if you watch it. Like, I don't even like it, it just was really bad. And so I think not only do you get more chances at like blowing up because you, you're more likely to blow up off um, multiple videos than just having one video. Like if you like if you want 100 views and you post one video, the chances are very slim uh, just starting out. But if you post like 50, then like like one of them is just more likely to blow up. Um, and also, like, you have something to show for when someone does subscribe. Like, you have a whole catalog. Like, a lot of reasons why, like, um, uh, One Hit Wonders exists is because they have no catalog, like, before they blow up, sort of. Like, they're just known for one song. So you don't want to be known for just one video. Um, that's sort of my stance at it. It's just also, like, people will forget you if you don't post often. And there's that whole debate about quantity and quality. I think just put out something that's, just try to put out as much while keeping like the standard good enough. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my take on it. Yeah. So with those three C's, do you think they're applicable to other socials as well? Like I want to talk about kind of your Twitter and your Instagram because you're at like 11, over 11,000 on Twitter, over 8,000 on Instagram. So are those th- same three C's applicable to other socials or is it more so specifically to YouTube? I think, yeah. Um, Twitter, definitely because Twitter is like, the whole platform is based on interaction. So the whole community aspects there, like you literally like half of Twitter is just replying to people. Um, but the thing with Twitter is I see a lot of people having a viral tweet and it doesn't go anywhere because I feel like it's hard to be, uh, build a fan base on Twitter. Um, I don't know. I'm not too sure exactly about Twitter with the whole consistency thing because sometimes it over like Twitter is weird because it, they have an issue where like if you post too much, it'll just it'll be all over someone's feed. Like, it'll be just everywhere. While, like, YouTube, there's... I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like, you can tell if someone tweets a lot. Um, Instagram, it's, like... I think it, it's more applicable with Instagram, the three Cs. I think um, a lot of it's just the comments, messaging, and stuff like that. Um, replying to other people's stories. Um, it's it's really three basic principles. I think it's applicable in, like, most things. 
it's just like common sense to me that you should be engaging with the people who are giving you their time and you know like who are watching your stuff if you have someone lucky enough to uh, watch your stuff you should probably you know try to keep them there right um so yeah i think consistency is important almost everywhere um yeah yeah and then so with growing your twitter and your instagram like it was a lot of that your followers based off kind of driving them from your youtube over to that or was there some other things you did to grow on those platforms my twitter yeah for sure my twitter um i would do giveaways and stuff on there and i i interacted a lot with the graphic design community there so like a lot of people came from my youtube for instagram i think i built that off like myself in a way that like my 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 Instagram and my Twitter and YouTube are all different because Instagram is like people follow me for they don't follow me for like tutorials and information videos. They follow me for like um sports and music and concert stuff. Twitter it's like more advice based, so it's more similar to YouTube. Um because I actually there's more like Twitter and YouTube, the reason why it's more similar is because Twitter, I can reply to someone like in depth, whereas Instagram, like I don't want to just reply in a comment or something like that. Twitter, I can sort of like, like there's threads, I can, there's more text based stuff. And then YouTube, I can just talk. Obviously, I never really made the effort to post like informational videos, informative videos on like Instagram, um, whereas Twitter and, and YouTube, I'm always looking to help. So I don't know if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, I know that totally makes sense, man. And I want to kind of just throw a couple other platforms at you to see kind of where you're at with those right now. I know you had a podcast, but I think you've yeah. stopped, right? Yeah, I stopped it. Uh, I think the hardest part for me was just I, I couldn't even keep my YouTube consistent. And I didn't know um, how well I was at actually like talking and like interviewing people. Like obviously, I think I'll, I think I'll get into it eventually. But I'd rather have a, a video-based like interview than a like an audio based one just because i could sort of like film b-roll and add it on top of the videos and stuff like that and i i don't know like i i wasn't really cool with just just recording audio um i think i'm more of a visual person anyways like obviously you can do a podcast with video but um it never really got around to doing that um and then yeah that's really it for podcast yeah that's fair and what about facebook i found a facebook group that you used to run but it looks like it's kind of gone a little bit inactive yeah so facebook um i sort of feel like the audience on facebook isn't like young you know um so it's not even who i'm trying to target anyway so i sort of just post i treat facebook sort of like my website in a way it's just like some of my best work um and then the facebook group i i don't manage that anymore just because it, it got really spammy um like people just the only post that came from it is like subscribe 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 so i didn't and I tried to build a community there, but like that required too much um, effort from my side for like monitoring it and like finding things to ask in the in the chat in in the group and like running polls and stuff like that. I don't I didn't think I could manage it myself, um, and I didn't want to get someone else to manage it. Even my uh, Discord, I had a Discord channel and it was it had probably like two thousand people at some point, but it was hard to monitor and do everything because I wasn't on there anyways. Like I wasn't just. I'm on Instagram anyway. So having a group chat on Instagram is fine with me because I'm checking my messages all the time. But Discord, I rarely use it. Uh, Facebook, I don't even use it that much either. So I think the platforms where I can actually like engage every day, those are the ones I put effort towards. Um, YouTube, I, I feel like the reason I'm not on YouTube a lot is because like I'm not even on YouTube a lot in general. Um, so I, you see me most active on Instagram and Twitter because that's where I'm at. 
that that makes sense. Are you looking at TikTok at all as a platform you want to try and check out? Yeah, yeah. so I I posted like three TikTok videos. Um, so I don't want to change up the content. Like I sort of want to make it obviously more appealing to people on TikTok, but I'm sort of just sort of observing right now. It from what my observations are is like I think it's one of the easiest platforms to like go viral off like the first couple initial posts or like get views off having zero followers. Like for some reason, like I have like six followers on TikTok and I got like 400 views on a video and I didn't really do anything. So I feel like um, TikTok as a platform, it's not that hard to start off. You know what I mean? Like um, get those first initial views. That's what I've discovered, but I'm, tr- I'm sort of trying to figure out um, what type of content to post on it that will, that will appeal to people on TikTok. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, I, that makes sense. I wanted to ask what's next for you, man. What do you have coming up? I've, I I want to be able to produce more YouTube videos for sure. Like um, behind the scenes, like obviously like it's hard for me to record what I'm doing at a concert because I'm shooting a concert. I have three songs to do it. And like I can't bring another person with me because they need to get a media pass too. And it's already hard for me to get one myself, right? So in that aspect, it's hard. And sometimes I don't want to just talk to a camera. I feel like that gets kind of boring. So for me, it's just finding what to upload on YouTube. I have a general idea, but it's always hard for me to just record wherever I'm at um, because I'm sort of always busy doing that stuff. Um, I think I'm I'm going to go even deeper into my niche of just the music and sports and like that whole thing, like being a music and sports photographer. I want to get into that deeper. I want to produce uh, more like informative content on Instagram, like IGTV, uh, because I haven't done that yet. Um, I'll start doing that. And like I've been doing a lot of freelance stuff. Um, it's just like I'm, I ha- I want to reach the people that I've been wanting to reach. Like it, like it's weird because so a lot of these celebrities that I want to shoot with, it seems so out of reach. But I already know someone that knows them, so it's like I just need to start like putting setting out those emails that I really need to and do all that stuff. Like finally do. Because I've been doing sort of the same thing for the past six months. Just shooting shows, uh, posting on Instagram, posting YouTube a little. I want to I wanna like up my… Just do the same thing I'm doing but uh, on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. And before we wrap up here, I, uh, I ask the same people the same kind of standard questions at the end of every interview. So you can elaborate on them if you want. They can treat it like a rapid fire. It's really up to you. The first question being, if you're going to dinner, you could take three people. It could be anybody dead or alive. Who do you take to dinner? Uh, uh, it would probably be a an artist or an actor, just because I'm a, I'm very interested in m- music and movies. Obviously, you guys can tell. I, I don't even think it would be an athlete. Um, probably some of my favorite rappers, uh, like J Cole. Probably J Cole. Uh, I don't, I don't know a lot of like entrepreneurs. You know, Gary Vee probably. When Gary Vee yeah. big one. He's he's like probably the only one I follow that's like, like a businessman. Um. Hmm. And like LeBron James or something like that. Okay. Yeah. What is some of the best advice you've ever gotten? Uh, I think my friend told me this. Um, a lot of times I doubt myself and he, he sort of, he told me that you should take yourself more seriously because no one's going to take you serious unless you take yourself serious. So I think it's like knowing that I'm capable because like obviously I've done stuff and I, I sort of like put that to the side sometimes. Uh, but I think just taking yourself seriously and 
understanding that you're good enough and that you're capable of doing something. Mm -hmm. When your alarm goes off in the morning, what motivates you to get up and out of bed? Uh, I usually, the first thing I think about is like the content I'm going to make that day, like what I have to edit. Um, like even when I have class and stuff, I sort of think about like <laughs> what I'm going to edit um, and like what content I'm going to put on Instagram. Like the whole day I've been thinking about like posting uh, the young thug photos that I took. So it's just like what I'm going to do, just what I'm going to create today. Or what I think about. That's awesome. What is one thing about you that people would not expect? Hmm. Would not expect. I don't know. Uh, I have a big family. Like, okay. I have uh, four siblings and I'm, uh, I'm the middle child. And I don't know. I, I don't think a lot of people think I'm my only child for some reason uh, because I just guess I'm independent in some way and they always see me alone. But um, I have a pretty big. Family. Cool. Uh, what is one thing that's so important? Everybody needs to know. About what? Just in general? Just to, yeah, about life itself, life in general. I think like what I mentioned before is like these successful people, they're literally just, they're, they, they started in the same position as you, a lot of them, or even worse positions, and that they're not some like God or like on a different level than you. They're like literally just you, and that it's cap- like it's possible because, you know, I meet these people and like they're just normal and I'm sort of surprised sometimes how normal they are, but they're just, they're literally normal um yeah Mm -hmm. no i completely agree that's one thing i've learned over the course doing this podcast is at the end of the day like people are just people yeah for the final question i kind of like to flip the script a little bit so if you had a crystal ball that could show you the answer to any question what is one question you'd want to know the answer to i want to know how to find like anyone's email okay (laughs) like actually anyone's email so that like or like in like how to write an email in a way that will get a response like a higher response rate because i don't i don't know i send out a lot of emails like like i used to send out like 50 emails a day for like my entire grade 11 year so i i want to know how to get a response because i get maybe like two (laughs) out of those like a hundred that i send right so i just how to evoke a response out of someone without like looking super desperate you know? Yeah, were those like fifty emails? Do you mean like in terms of like getting shoots and stuff? Yeah, shoots like reaching out, like it's bit, like everything, like getting sponsorships for my channel, like whether that's people or brands, it's like either one. It's like just doing more things. Like uh, a lot, a lot of the time now, it's just getting shoots and like shooting with people. Mm. That's fair, man. But I think that's no one's ever took that question in that direction before. But I think that'd be an awesome thing to know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I want to thank you for taking the time to be on this podcast, man. I want to give you the floor. Where can the people find you? Plug anything and everything that you got right now. So YouTube, it's youtube.com slash Stephen Van, uh, V-A-N, um, Stephen with a V as well. Um, and then my Instagram and Twitter is Stephen Van underscore. You can reach out to me. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. I'll probably respond. Um, just like if you have any questions like at all, I'll probably, like, I'll probably respond. Depends on the question, obviously. Because a lot of people ask some weird questions or like they ask to ask a question and then I reply and then they don't ask the question. Um, just like ask anything. I'm like, I'm always uh, happy to help. Yeah.
Awesome, man. I want to thank you once again for taking time to be on this show. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Whether you've listened the entire way through, you've only listened to bits and pieces, I really appreciate you taking the time to check this out. Everyone, do me a favor. Go and follow Steven on Instagram. Subscribe to his YouTube. I'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below. And if you'd like to follow me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at the Jacob Kelly. Come and say hello. My DMs are always open. And if you'd like to follow the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at, at My Social Life Podcast or by searching us up on YouTube at my just by searching up My Social Life. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon. Mm-hmm.